Hey, it's Sean here, agency veteran turned business strategist, Forbes business coach, and host of the Growth Code podcast, the place to be if you're looking to grow your service business with more ease and less stress. And I am here today with Freya Mullenbein. Did I say it right? Good. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Amazing. Hi, Freya. So Freya is a an agency consultant specializing in strategy delivery, change management, operations, and leadership. And previous to her role as a consultant, she worked agency side and was responsible for delivering strategy and change programs for one of the most successful 150 strong digital agencies in the UK. Uh, she scaled her own agency department from zero to 100 people. And Freya is qualified in agile man- change management, mental health first aider, experienced herself and understands how to deliver change with a human-centric approach. Uh, she works with digital marketing and creative agencies to help them remove barriers. So I cannot wait to get into this today with you, Freya, because we have geeked out on some things yep. in our previous <laughs> chats. But let's get into it. So thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Great to be here. Yeah, I just love having these kind of experts on the Growth Code podcast because we can dive into some of the real issues that agency owners are facing here and now, you know, like really now. And one of the things that I'm hearing agency owners say to me, not just agency owners, but also service-based business-to-business one of their biggest problems right now is, is people, you know, building talented teams and delivering so that they can grow and scale. Now, it seems like you've done your fair share of building teams and managing people. So that's where I want to start today, if that's okay, okay. with you. Sounds good. We all know what it's like to have people that are in the wrong role, you know, sitting in the wrong seat on the bus and they're not performing and that kind of causes issues and I was actually having a conversation with a client this week you know when you've got a players in your business and you've got b and c players who aren't really performing you will lose your a players because they get kind of annoyed and and you know so you'll have this perpetual issue so let's just kind of dive in you've learned a lot from scaling a team what advice would you give to agency owners about people and, and scaling a team? Yeah, so I guess on the on the people side of things, this is always a, a big one. And I guess just as a bit of a disclaimer, when I grew my team to 100 people, it was actually really easy to recruit because it was, well, it was, you know, 12 years ago I started building that team. And now actually one of the biggest challenges is to even find talent in the first place. I never experienced that. I experienced the total opposite where every role that I um, opened I must have had at least 20-25 applicants and it was kind of in the in the the big days of you know digital PR content marketing social media SEO link acquisition that kind of thing um, which was super popular so actually we had no shortage of talent so I guess that's a main differentiator to um, what the situation is today but I definitely um, had a couple of, um, I guess, people in my team that during the interview process maybe sounded good um, and suitable for the role. And then further down the line, it turns out either it wasn't right for us or it wasn't right for them. And what I would say is um, kind of rule number one, really, if you feel like someone isn't right for the role, either because uh, culturally they're not a good fit or because they're not performing to the standard that you're expecting, 
is to jump on it really quickly. And I don't mean fire them quickly, but I mean bring the feedback to the table straight away. So just that consistent loop of um, telling them whether they're doing a good job, where they can improve, asking them for feedback as well. How, you know, what can you do to help them perform better? Do they need training. Um, so it's kind of looking at both sides. What can you do as an agency or a manager to make um, the situation better? But, and what can they do? And rule number two is really always formalizing everything. Because if it ever came down to a more formal process, you need everything written down. So this was hammered into me and my team by, by our HR team is to always formalize everything. Um, and then if you're, you know, if you're quite small as an agency and you have you know, a, a person in your team that isn't suitable and it's quite urgent that you're doing something about it, um, just to get advice from, from HR, whether it's external HR expertise or in-house uh, to just never never just go ahead and, and let someone go because it can come and bite you um, kind of legally. Um, but I think it's just transparency, honest, honest, honesty, um, having an open dialogue with that person, looking for faults in yourself as an agency or manager, not just in the person, because sometimes we don't define roles very well. We don't give people KPIs or goals or training or processes. So they're put in a role to help the agency grow, but actually they can't perform it because it's just not working. It's not set up to, to work properly. And I see this a lot in, in the smaller agencies where um, you're looking for a subject matter expert to just come in and run the show, but you're not giving them the, the, the tech or the processes or the, the goals to achieve or um, yeah, any kind of measurable um, KPIs to say, I'm doing a good job. So I think to be fair to, to people, Quite often, there's a gut feel from the agency that they're not right. But when you look into it properly, they, they haven't been given the right tools um, to perform the job. So it's kind of like a, you know, it's a balance um, of looking at yourself and what you can do better and the person that you're managing. Um, but always get on it early. I am actually working with an agency right now. They have a person in their team that they've not wanted there for six months. And I just I don't, don't understand how it can take that long. Um, so I think it's there needs to be a sense of urgency um, there if yeah. it's not the right person. So we, we kind of started on a bit of a topic of letting <laughs> people go, I guess, if they're not right. But um, yeah, it, it has to happen sometimes, especially when you scale and grow. It does have to happen sometimes. And in hiring, we, you know, we sometimes make mistakes. It happens. You end up with the wrong person in the wrong place. But there's two things I want to speak to to that because I think it was really honest. You know, so thank you for sharing that perspective because sometimes we have to be honest with ourselves. I think the first thing to say is um, whenever it comes down to expectations, when there's any kind of ambiguity, you're setting yourself up for conflict. Yeah. So whether it's hiring a team member or whether it's, um, you know, communicating KPIs and that kind of thing, as a business owner or as a leader in the business, ambiguity is the thing that's going to set you mm -hmm. up to fail. Because if people don't know what's expected of us, you know, they will go off in one direction thinking they're doing a great job. And often employees do think that they're doing a great job. But if it's not what we expect, they will never match up to that expectation. Yeah, absolutely. So that's a, the first thing. Is, um, you know, it's worth it to put in the time to figure out how do we make this clear and, and explicit. And, um, you know, the, the other thing as well is when you have somebody who's in the wrong role and they're underperforming, 
they probably have talents that are just underutilized or they are in a role that they're kind of, they're a square peg that's been forced into a round hole. And so sometimes I truly believe in, in answer to your point about making decisions fast to let people go, you know, do it quickly. Don't wait six months. Sometimes it's more fair because you can actually sit down with that person and say, I don't think this role is really suited to you. Mm-hmm. I think that your strengths are, th- are this. And so it's, it's more fair to let that person go so they can go and find the thing that, where they can perform. Yes, and I totally so, agree. And, you know, if, yeah, yeah and, and actually we've had plenty of examples in, in my agency time where um, we've, we've offered people to move from one role into another or even move departments or move from um seo to ppc or from project management into account management because that's where their strength strength were and we had the luxury of being big enough to um facilitate those moves i guess when you're a smaller agency you can't always do that because you don't have resource or you know the financial um capabilities to have a person move into a new role and then recruit another person to replace the old role um but yeah i think um Quite often, when someone's not performing in their role, they probably don't want to be there either. And you can always find some kind of compromise or a, a friendly um, yeah. ending, I guess, an amicable ending. Um, yeah, because no one wants to be in a role where they're just not doing what they're good at. That's, is, that is literally the worst that can happen. Yeah. So we, we did start on a note talking about letting people go, but you know that's the reality of, of business ownership sometimes. We have to make the hard calls. But I want to talk a little bit about one of my favorite topics, and I know it's one of your favorite topics, which is strategy. Yeah. So I always think that when we say the word strategy, it conjures up these ideas of something that's quite complex. But really, to me, strategy is knowing this is where we are right now, this is where we want to go, and how are we going to fill the gap? That's a strategy. But let's talk about that. Um, you've, you've managed change and, and you've helped um, you know, people put, it, put in place strategic plans and that kind of thing. So let's hypothetically say we're talking to an agency or to a business who doesn't have a strategic plan. Where would you start? Where would you say, okay, this is the starting point and let's, let's have a look here? Yeah, I think... Um depending on the size so if it's a an an owner or founder-led agency and it's still quite small and the founder is responsible for everything still i would probably start with the owner and really find out why did you start this agency in the first place and where do you want to take it because quite often of course that gets forgotten about in the day-to-day and in, in the chaos of delivering client work and keeping people happy so i think it's just bringing it back to the drawing board to say um Yes, we can improve your performance and we can do, you know, um, things to help you grow. But what is it that you're trying to achieve? Is it growth? Is it getting ready for sale? Is it um, that you want to step out of the agency? Do you want to employ someone to take over from you? Um, so I think it's, it's really understanding what the owner wants. If it's a larger agency where, you know, you might have a, a CEO, an ops director, you've got a board of director, you've got kind of a a well-oiled machine of um, a senior leadership team and you're at the size where actually you know you want growth, you've got some goals that you've got in mind, um, it's, it's kind of going straight into, okay, let's define your, your longer-term vision and, and direction in terms of 
travel and where's the agency going in terms of your positioning, your niche, what you offer, um, the, the, the financial targets you're trying to achieve. Um, so it's really starting with the, the goal, no matter what your size is, what's, what's the goal, um, and then defining that into a three to five year quantifiable, I guess, list of objectives. So like typical objectives, I would say, are around revenue, um, profits, or turnover. Um, it could be about things like staff costs. Um, it could be that you want to become net zero. You know, they're quite kind of top level, large, um, big things that you want to achieve in the next three to five years. And I think where it falls down is the step after that. I think agencies, um, they, can, they can get through the strategic process to a point where it's about their vision and who they want to be and what clients they want and the top level objectives where it often falls down is when you have to then translate those objectives into actual deliverables that you will make happen in the next 12 months and that's 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 because the day-to-day will get in the way um there's no one dedicated to actually driving strategic change in most agencies. So it's kind of reliant on a senior leadership team doing the things they need to do to get this done. Uh, but they each have their own departments and remit to look after. So again, the day-to-day gets in the way. Strategy fizzles out. Goals are not specific enough. They're not measurable. They don't have clear ownership. And then at the end of the year, you probably have achieved something probably not to the extent that you wanted. Um, and that's where I feel like there's a whole second half to the strategic process that there, a lot of businesses are missing, which is the, the detailed planning and having a process to move the strategy out of the boardroom and into the agency. And that's where the change management comes in, the project management of the strategy, the ownership, the rhythms, the routines. Um, and without that, you just have goals and ambitions but nothing happens. And that's kind of what I do now with most of my clients is bringing, helping them to bring the strategy to life and really break it into actions and, and yeah, a proper plan, really. It's a, it's a plan that you can stick to. Yeah, I think when you're speaking to creative people and you're speaking to business owners who are often action-driven people, you know, they like things to be fast and they just like to have the big sky idea, you know, taking that and turning it into a blueprint or turning it into a plan is, is not uh, the easiest thing to do. And I'm saying that from the point of view of having been an agency yeah. owner and being a business owner, you know, you have the ideas, the vision, but actually translating that into a blueprint is, is really difficult. Mm-hmm. So not to put you on the spot, but can you talk us through a couple of things that you can do to make sure that the, the strategy plan gets implemented? Yeah, so I think to start off with, I think it's seeing the strategic planning process through to the, to the end. So not, stop, not stopping with the top level objectives. So if we pick an example of if your top, one of your top level objectives is we want to grow revenue to 5 million in the next two years or three years. Then the next step would be, well, what's keeping us from growing revenue at that rate right now? Or what could be the challenges in achieving that level of revenue? So you're working that out with your senior leadership team. And it could be that, for example, your pitch close rate is low. Maybe it's 30% at the moment. And you've had some feedback from 
prospects that maybe your pitch isn't good enough. So that's one thing that could hold you back. Um, then maybe your average contract rate that you're bringing in for new clients is, is much lower than it needs to be to bring the level of revenue in per client that you're aiming for. Um, or it could be that you're not growing your existing clients at the rate that you need to to fulfill that revenue target. So you're kind of um, making that top-level objective much more concrete by discussing what what levers do we need to pull to make this happen. And then you you translate it back into a target. So you could say, let's set our pitch close rate um, at 40% in the next 12 months. That's our goal. Let's increase our existing client growth from, I don't know, 2% to 6%. And let's increase our average contract rate for new clients from 40 grand to 55 grand. And then you've taken it a step further. You've made that really big revenue goal into something that actually has KPIs now or key results or whatever you want to call it. And then you take that a step further and you say, okay, for improving the pitch close rate, how do we do that? What's the initiative in the next 12 months to make that happen? So it could be that you're commissioning a pitch expert to review how you pitch and you're introducing a pitch feedback process to call every single prospect after the pitch and ask them for feedback why you lost or why you won um so those could be actions for the first quarter to just get someone to review your pitch and get some feedback and then take it from there or for growing existing clients for the first to grow existing clients because they're probably not doing this on purpose they probably want to grow their clients, but we don't know why it's not happening. So let's talk to them as a first step. Pull the insights together and then create some actions. They might need training. They might need more resource in the team. Maybe they get pulled into project management so they can focus on client relationships. And then again, you, you can formulate actions in your first quarter to say, okay, well, we know what we need to do then in the next 12 months to hit that target of client growth. So it's just, it's really taking every kpi and every objective and moving through it into really concrete actions then assigning ownership assigning dates and then on a quarterly basis on quarterly sprints working through it monthly check-ins to make sure every month you're delivering towards those um put those in the board pack you know the board needs to report on progress towards those kpis communicate back to your agency get people involved give your your teams kpis so on their, on their PDPs, in the example of the client services team, give your client services team the target to pick two clients each this quarter and uncover opportunities for growth and explore them and report back. And make it really concrete for the teams to get, you know, tie into these strategic objectives um, and then maybe reward them afterwards because it is a growth target. So if they hit that number, maybe there's some kind of incentive you can put in place so it's, it's thinking really to a quite a bit of detail how do we bring this objective that is quite vague into the agency work through it not forget about it report on progress get the teams involved um so it's not just on the whiteboard or on some kind of document and sits in in the drawer but it gets done that's, I just, for anybody who's listening, seriously, I want you to go back a couple of minutes and just listen to everything that Freya has just said again, because you've just summed up something that is so uh, 
you know, a really big, juicy goal and broken it down that it sounds like anyone can go off and do that. And by breaking it down and creating a couple of those KPIs, and I want to talk about KPIs a little bit more, but breaking it down into those small, actionable, concrete steps, as you said, it just takes this big goal that all of a sudden doesn't sound that unachievable or that impossible. Yeah. So pure gold there for any agency or business owner listening, you know, to take a big goal that's quite vague, break it down and make it into concrete, actionable steps. So that point about KPIs, key results, um, key outcomes, however, however you refer to them. Uh, tell me about the numbers. The, if you were to go into an agency and they said to you, we want to make more money, we want to make more profit, because um, profit is something I want to come to in a second as well. What are the top five numbers that an agency should go away and start looking at right away? Um, I mean, at a basic level, look at revenue that's coming in. So your kind of your sales and pipeline and new business coming in. Um, then how does that in the end translate to profit, to gross profit and net profit, so that you understand whether the money that you're bringing in is actually staying in the business or is just leaking out throughout the delivery? Um, I would probably always look at um, the, 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 the staff cost ratio. So if your staff cost is really high, then again, that's an indicator that something's not working efficiently. So you're spending too much time, you're spending too much money on people but you're not making money with, you know, the, the people that you've got. Um, how many did I just say? Maybe four. Um, and then uh, there's yeah. other KPIs that I'd probably look at, um, like utilization numbers, um, chargeable rates within the teams, retention and existing client growth, things like profitability per client and per department. So the more, really, the more numbers you can look at, the better your decision-making and action plan can be. Lots of agencies, actually most agencies that I work with, probably because I'm a consultant and I don't often go into agencies where everything's perfect, but a lot of agencies don't track or record the right numbers in the first place on client profitability, utilization, and chargeable rates. And that's often because... Um, either there's no process to record those things properly and report on them or um, and I don't know if you found this in in your agency time uh, people don't record their time accurately because there's a fear that if you go over your allocated time budget that you will get punished which of course makes the record inaccurate and you never know exactly what is happening you can't take action and that specifically needs a bit of a mindset change from agencies to communicate to their teams that if you you should record all client time as chargeable time, because then we can analyze these clients and find out, well, maybe this client is just really unreasonable and really demanding and we can help you manage that. Or we don't have the right mm -hmm. people in the team or not enough people in the team, or maybe the teams are stressed. So it's, it's really kind of a, a, a cultural shift towards accurate numbers that is missing in a lot of agencies, yeah. I find. I want to um, add to that. Uh, yeah. I want to add to that one. Sorry to interrupt you because what I see in a lot of younger agencies as well is when you're looking at recording time or you're recording activity and what you're doing as part of a deliverable is often in younger agencies, there's often quite a few things that don't get charged for. And we're yes. doing free work, 
for um, things like project management or thinking time or, you know, or yeah. creative ideas, ideation. And that can be a major profit leak. And so if you, you absolutely, if you're not recording that, we can't see how much time is being spent on that so that we can actually improve. So timekeeping is not always something to be used as a yardstick for punishment or you've gone over budget or you're not working hard enough. It's actually a yardstick for agencies to improve, to provide yeah. better service. Because the more profitable an agency can be, the more wow that we can deliver to clients, which yeah. means we can have service better clients and grow even more. But if we stay stuck here, um, over-servicing, you know, not, not recording time, not looking at where we can make operational efficiencies, you're going to stay stuck small. Yeah. yeah. So that's a really important thing. I just wanted to add to that. Thank you yeah, for bringing that up because it's one that we have to bring into the light. Um, mm-hmm. And the other thing as well, if, you know, time tracking, you can start to see where you're not estimating projects properly, yes. uh, which I think is um, a, big, a big thing. 100%. And I think if you look at, I don't know if, if you wanted to ask um, a separate question about that, so sorry if I jump ahead, but if you look at, I guess, uh, a new piece of business coming into the agency, if you look at process from start to finish and where profitability leaks out typically it does start at the scoping and pricing stage where you know sales teams don't always know how to price engagements accurately and all the things that you just mentioned like um client care client servicing meetings calls vision meetings strategic meetings internal client meetings they don't get priced in and there's no actual outline of well, if my client is at this level, then this should be the SLA um, service level package that they get. If it's a smaller client. This is what we should do on a monthly, quarterly, annual basis with them. So they're just it's just kind of a finger in the air. And then suddenly the client is more demanding than you think. And from day one, you're just losing money. Um, and also onboarding as, as a next step. It's kind of onboarding doesn't get priced in. In a lot of smaller agencies, it's being given away free. And, and again, I'm working with, I think two agencies in, at the moment that don't price onboarding into the um, into new contracts, and we mapped out how much onboarding costs per client. And in in one in one example, it was about fifteen grand, depending up or down. You know, could go up or down depending on the size. And if they sign X amount of new clients, you can imagine, you know, that could be one hundred and fifty grand a year easily. Um, lost just yeah. through the onboarding process, plus not pricing in meetings and calls and client time and um, client communication. Um, and you could end up on 200, 250,000K not priced in to run campaigns and onboard clients, which seems um, <laughs> such an essential part of, of running a campaign. So, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a big one. I think, you know, when... Um... When I started my, just to give a little bit of context, when I started my career, my corporate career, it was, it was in law and we were you know, forced to track time in increments of six minutes. So I had that time tracking uh, philosophy when I went into starting my agency business. So I was really fortunate that I you know, didn't see it as anything other than, well, you track time so you can build clients accordingly. But sort of moving you know from this time tracking thing into 
um, some of those hidden costs in businesses. When I had my agency business, I remember at one point I worked out that uh, I, I can't remember what the catalyst was, but I think I'd gone into the, the studio and I'd asked for a file. And uh, I recorded, for some reason, I recorded, I think I'd read an article about um, how long it takes people to find files and documents within a team. And I remember adding it up and remember nearly having a cardiac event because it, it was a significant amount of time and ultimately money. You know, every time a client asked for something to go and find a file and do an X, Y, Z. Um, so there's hidden costs too, you know, yeah. to running an agency. So if you're not billing for the things that clients would probably expect you to bill for, because, you know, we all hire accountants and lawyers, so we all expect to be billed for time. Yeah. And it shouldn't be any different for an agency, whether it's thinking time, onboarding time. I think it's just a creative mindset, you know, to, to move into that. Well, people expect to pay for this. I'm providing expertise. Yeah. So we should, you know, should be paid for. So I think there's a mindset shift to happen. Um, but also, you know, it's looking at the hidden costs of running the business, knowing what your break even is, knowing what uh, efficiencies we can make, not just with projects, but things like, you know, finding files or, uh, you know, other, other yeah, things that project management really suck time. Task management, meeting agendas. Like there, there, there's so much that can be um, formalized, documented, standardized, automated. Um, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I agree. And yeah, it is a mindset change towards actually not having that fear of, the client won't want to pay for this for whatever reason. Like you say, there's an expectation from clients, especially when you work with bigger brands, that you do get charged. There is an onboarding phase. There's an immersion phase. There are regular meetings. No one would expect that to just happen for free. And if you want to become that kind of true trusted advisor and strategic guide to your clients, then those are really crucial touch points in your client journey to make sure you build the relationship, you uncover business opportunities with your client um, you understand their goals and their vision and you report back on that and, and you know help them grow really you can't do that without immersion onboarding service levels um, but yeah a lot of smaller agencies think that because their clients have smaller budgets they don't have the right to price everything um, but if you want to grow you're going to have to move away from that mindset Absolutely. And, you know, I think with, with clients, when you have that extra margin, you have that extra time, you can do those things like, you know, helping them to grow their businesses or coming up with the ideas. So it's a win-win for everyone mm -hmm. to charge properly and to charge for all of the value-added things that you do. So yeah. um, I'm glad that we brought that into, into the conversation. Um, and that kind of does sum up the question I was going to ask about margins because, you know, when I, when I talk to agency clients, um, although I'm not a financial person, I do like to talk about margins because there are monsters hiding in those margins and they, they can really, um, you know, drain a business. And when you're an agency business, I think I, I did some, I did a lot of research on this and I think the average benchmark is about 6 to 11% is the average industry uh, net margin, uh, which is not a lot of room to fudge up. You know, there's not a lot of room to 
over service and not get paid or have all of these operational inefficiencies. Mm -hmm. So you're walking a fine line between making money and stacking shelves at Tesco. So really important to know your numbers. I can't express that importantly enough. Yes, 100%. And um, know your numbers, but make sure they're accurate. They're recorded properly. They're, you know, it, sometimes I look at numbers and I can see straight away it doesn't add up. Or because people are not recording their time, um, their time properly, I can see straight away. It, it, all this, this doesn't make sense. So somewhere the numbers are in, inaccurate. So know your numbers, but make sure they're right, <laughs> is what I would add to that. Um, and And I guess as well with, with the not charging and losing margins, when you're in that situation, you are less likely to make change happen. So change works best when you're in a good financial position. It either works best if you're in a really dire, horrible situation and you force change through in a really horrible way because you have to, or when you're in a very comfortable place and it allows you to look at your structure things that need to change within the teams, processes, you can take that step back. When you're in a bad financial place, um, you don't do that. So to no. get back to You can growth, change by default or you can change by design. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, agreed. I think these are really good, really good things, some amazing takeaways. Uh, You know, I want people to go back and look at their time recording, look at the margins, look at the numbers, how you're recording things, because this podcast has been full of gold and really actionable things from you, Freya. So so thank you so much. Um, I always like to throw in a kind of final uh, question just to throw something in the mix. And if you could, um, if, if there's an agency owner or business owner right there, out, out there right now, who is just stuck, stuck in the weeds, stuck spinning their wheels, um, what's one piece of advice that you would give that person who's listening right now? So if they're stuck and they don't know how to get back to growth and they've maybe tried on their own, and this is going to sound really corny because I am a consultant and I'm not just saying this because I'm a consultant, but if, if that is how you feel and you have tried to do it yourself, stop trying to do it yourself and get some help. Um, if you can't get the help, so if you think you can't afford it or if you think um, you're not at that point yet, I would say follow a very simple um, pro- process of remove yourself from the day-to-day for a little bit and take a step back, look at your numbers and speak to your people. So when I start my investigation, when I go into a new agency as a detective, I start with the numbers and listen to the numbers and see what they tell me. Because like we said earlier, you know, if you've got high staff costs, low utilization, poor retention rates, revenue is low, those things already tell you a story of where it's stuck. But then also ask your teams because they know, they honestly always know. If you say to the teams, how can we grow? How can we be more efficient? They will tell you at least five things in their own remit that will make you more profitable, better, more efficient, bring more happiness to the business. So I think I'll start there, look at the numbers, speak to the people, and then just bring that that inside together and try and um, understand what you need to tackle first. 
But again, if you don't feel like you can do this on your own, um, don't try and do it on your own because a lot of agency owners started their business not because they want to you know, do that stuff. They don't want to just look at numbers and operations and structures and efficiencies. They want to, in a lot of cases, either step out or just do the one thing that they're really good at, which is sometimes still selling to clients or doing some of the actual delivery job or whatever that, that is that they want to do. Um, get some help to make sense of it all. Um, bring sense into the chaos, I guess. Remind yourself why you started the agency in the first place and um, see if you can deliver it on your own. And again, if not, there are tons of agency owner communities, um, learning circles, consultants, advisors. Just don't try and do it on your own, I would say. Yeah. I 100, as a coach, I would absolutely back up that <laughs> advice because... <laughs> You know, you can you can sit there and you can um, you can probably figure it out on your own eventually. But if you want to go further, faster, then you should definitely do it with someone. So I absolutely love that. Um, I'm going to put some links in the show notes because if anybody wants to check out uh, what it's like to work with Freya, you can go to her website, which is b-right.com. Did I say it correctly? Yeah, so it's it's a Yorkshire expression. It's called be right. It's it just means you're it right. will be all right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, that's super memorable now that um, you've said it like that. Um, and go and connect with Freya on LinkedIn as well. So I'll put those links to the profile, uh, to her profile in the show notes, um, because I think there's some valuable content on her LinkedIn profile and website. So you can go and figure out some of the stuff and get some help if you are in that space where you want to get back to growth instead of yeah don't change by default change by design that's mm -hmm. what i would definitely say perfect thank you for um, doing that that is thank you freya thank you so much for the time today um some absolute gold in there for agency owners and business owners so i will speak to you next time high five thank you for listening to the growth code podcast with me sean lenigan if you're ready to crack the growth code for your agency or consultancy business then DM me on social media, the word growth, or email hello at workwithshawn.co.uk. Let's see how I can help you navigate this wonderful, crazy journey of being a business owner and pave your path to permanent profits.